Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution to any problem. We want to welcome as many disciplines at work as there are people trying to get better. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many awesome human stories as we can. In order to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. My first shout out is to NJL Body Health Solutions. That's my brother. He's awesome. He's a great trainer. If you want to contact him, his phone number is 587-899-1976. Again, it's NJL Body Health Solutions. You can email him at info at njltraining.com. Next, my friend Steve. He is owner and operator of Imagine Painting. They do large and or small painting projects. If you need something done like that, Steve can help you out. It's www.imaginepainting.ca. Contact phone number is 403-305-8786. And if you mention that you found his business on Voices and Recovery Podcast, you will get 5% off, which is a pretty cool, cool deal. Anyway... Just so you guys know out there, those individuals do not pay us anything in order to mention them. And so if you have a good business, if you're someone that wants to come in and talk to us about it, let contact us and I'll let you know how to do that at the end of the podcast. Tonight's guest is a friend of mine. And honestly, I've already said this, so it's going to sound really cheesy. But the truth is, he reminds me of Jesus because he's always doing work and he's talking very little. So... Uh, unlike me, I, I just talk and try not to do any work if I can help it. Um, he's got an incredible story. Uh, so he's also an adopted brother of mine by my parents who, oddly enough, even though they adopted him, refused to use his proper name. They call him Gord or Doug or anything <laughs> but Bob. However, that will confuse me tonight, I'm sure, at some point. So anyway, I'm going to let Bob tell us about Bob. Good evening. My name is Bob and I am a person in recovery. I've been in recovery since November the 20th of 2002. Uh, Part of the journey, I've had my own personal struggles. Um, I always felt that I I was missing part of this program, the spiritual aspect. How so? Well... I'm a person of the mountains. I'm always out in the mountains. That's where mm-hmm. I enjoy being, and that's where my connection is. Uh, about five and a half years ago, uh, an AA friend of mine said, Bob, I think you need to come to a sweat lodge with me. I have done sweat lodges before, so I said, yeah, okay, I'm in. So I went to the sweat lodge, and I met the elder, for some reason, I grew up in Kelowna, British Columbia. He's from northern Saskatchewan. But there was that feeling that we had crossed paths before. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe in a different lifetime, but mm-hmm. we knew each other. Yeah. So there was an automatic connection there. Yeah, that's kind of cool when that happens, eh? Yeah. So for the past five and a half years, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work around sweat lodges. I was a lodge keeper, fire keeper working with broken families. You know, I have clearance to family and child service because there are children involved. Mm-hmm. I've done the vision quests and a lot of other stuff. But working with broken families and meeting the indigenous people 
to me, I felt something was missing. Mm -hmm. You know, these organizations, they send the women through women's treatment, men through men's treatment, help them with this program to get their kids back. But when the program ended, it's like there was a fall down. Mm -hmm. You know, they did, there wasn't a support there. And a lot of these people didn't feel comfortable in the rooms of AA. I didn't understand why, but I had many discussions with the elders mm -hmm. in regards to it. What do you, what, what did you learn is the, is one of the reasons why they have so many struggles? Our total way of, of thinking is different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell, how, you know, how I so? went through treatment, you know, did the steps and everything. There was written format, you know, for step one and everything. Mm -hmm. It's all writing, writing, writing in lines, the medicine wheel teachings, everything's in circles. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing like say a step one rather than doing a written step one what you're being taught is to uh, mind map okay you know that's taking one word say on the uh, unmanageability in relationships mm -hmm. that word goes in the center and then you start doing a spider off of it okay so what does a spider web look like when you're doing that well it might start off with just four lines coming off of it but from those words it'll branch farther and farther mm -hmm. and what the teachings are is with those lines our mind doesn't like to see them blank mm -hmm. so it likes to fill them in okay the teachings are also that a lot of us are right brain mostly yeah you know whereas our left left side is the artistic talent and everything mm -hmm. so they i've met many indigenous people that are so talented musically artistically but you know they don't have the opportunity to use that so even when you're doing this mind mapping they tell you to stop and and draw some little pictures you know it doesn't have to be fancy mm. it's just to help kickstart the other side of the brain oh, okay yeah well cool because it does right right when you yeah. start putting shapes instead of letters and stuff like that and words it does activate different parts yeah. of the brain Okay. So the, the step one, you know, you'll be doing the unmanageability in your life. Mm -hmm. When you do the step two, you're going to mind map those same nine areas, but you're going to look at it. If I had it, my life was in order. Mm -hmm. What would it look like? Okay. You know, so you'll mind map from that. And that's step two. That's step two. So when you're done, that's what they call creating the vision. Okay. The vision is what you're going to focus on and carry forward through the program. Mm -hmm. You know, so you've got all this positive that you're looking at. Yeah. Now. My life is manageable. So how do they change the wording for step two? How is the wording different? Um, it's just a few words. Yeah. The white bison movement, Don Coyas, sobered up through AA. Mm -hmm. But being indigenous, he was struggling with a couple of years in. And that's when he went to the elders and had a talk with them. Yeah. And they told him the 12 steps are our teachings in the medicine wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, so he was able to use that. So they helped him shape the steps according to the teachings of the medicine right. wheel. Okay. Right. Okay. Like to the east, we're all, we always face to the east when we're praying. That's where step one, two, and three is. Okay. You know, that's all new beginnings. Four, five, and six will be to the south. Seven, eight, nine to the west, 10, 11, 12 to the north. Okay. You know, we call them maintenance steps, 10, 11, 12. That's when we become elders. 
with our oh, knowledge. Oh, I see. Okay, so according to the medicine wheel, right? That's when you have become an elder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, and the cycle continues. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. You know, I I was fortunate enough to have friends that have taken the facilitating before. Mm-hmm. You know, my one friend was working at a treatment center east of McMurray, and he kept talking to me and saying, Bob, this is up your alley. This is what you need to take. Mm-hmm. So this spring I was healing up from surgery and I said, well, bring me all the material. So I read the whole program. And then when I could, I got in for the facilitator training. Nice. Right on, man. So how do you find, cause I know that, well, you know, as well as I do that when people come into any 12 step group, one of the main complaints that I've heard, and this is just one of the many, right? But this is one of the main ones is God. Uh, God isn't, isn't used in their program. Yeah. You know, they use the creator, mm-hmm. but in total, um, I don't want to say fairness, Don Coyas in, in it, the teachings, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is referenced. Mm-hmm. You know, pages in the big book. Sure. It, it is used in this program. Yeah. I, well, I find that, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by that because it's so adaptable, right? Like the big book, the information is adaptable because they're not set on a set God either, right? Yeah. They're, they're, their thinking was more along the lines, I believe, and this is just my belief, it's opinion, obviously, but it seems more the, the AA spirituality is much, even though it comes from Judeo-Christian beliefs, because that's all they had back then, that's all they had. That's what they were introduced to, right? They were all Christians, the people who started it. And Oxford was a Christian group and all that stuff, right? But I think what Bill and Bob did when they, I don't know how they talked about it. I wasn't there, obviously, because I'm not that old. Um, but when they were talking about it, it just seems like they were coming from this very natural place, right? More, more natural than metaphysical. Do you know what I mean? like more natural from what I have understood of indigenous teachings, more connected to the, to the actual, well, they even come out and say it. We want to accept life on its terms. Right. I, I don't know about anything more spiritual than that. Right. And bringing us more back to the ground. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Like even for me with the group I'm running right now, I let them know I'm not only a facilitator, mm. I'm with working with them to heal and learn myself mm. because this, even, even though this is the first group I facilitated, this program, it, it kickstarts your brain, mm. this mind mapping, it may not make sense at first, but once you use it as a tool for a mm. while, I mind map a, a lot of areas in my life now. Okay. You know, how, do you, how effective do you find it? How which? How effective? Like, is it in very, your day-to-day life? Like in your day-to-day? Very. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Because, like, I think that's one of the concerns from people. Well, another concern about the tw- other, the main, the main, the original 12 steps. I don't know what to call them. But in terms of not just the God stuff, but some of the instructions seem a little complicated. They really are. Right? Like, they You know, they that's do. what scares people away. Yeah. And you know, so, like step four is step four. It's still mm-hmm. done the same way. Step five is done the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, those can't be changed. 
you know, all those areas have to be looked at. You have to do the inventory. Mm. Where they change it a bit, a lot of the healing will take place with ceremony or the sweat lodges. Mm-hmm. You know, the elders will be involved. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's just, uh, that's kind of like parallel, right? Because at any stage in the 12 steps of, say, AA or some somewhere else, whatever, the you, it's better to walk alongside an elder. Basically right. what an old timer would be, right? Is you find someone who has the information and you hope to get it orally because you hope they tell you. Well, where I struggled with that, I, I've had the same AA sponsors pretty well all, all the time I've been in AA. Mm-hmm. When I first had them as a sponsor, you know, I'd phone them up to talk to him about things. And his response was always more meetings, more meetings, more meetings. And to me, that didn't, you know, that didn't make sense. I was saying, well, what about the spiritual aspect of this program? Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about the spiritual aspect. Where does that come into play? So mm-hmm. I sort of journeyed on my own direction yeah. in search of. Yeah. Not finding, but I was in search of. I don't know. You seem to find something. Well, now, and it's, it's been nice because my uh, sponsor is 32 years AA. Oh, good. His wife is 32 years Al-Anon, so wow. they taught me about family healing, mm-hmm. and part of their journey within the last five years, they've con- through the program, they've come into contact with a spiritual advisor. Mm-hmm. So now that she's in her life, our conversations have changed, mm. because they, at first he didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, but he's gotten more like connected to the spiritual yeah, yeah. realm, right? Cool. Cool, man. So how, how do you find, do you find that it's helpful specifically with, in, with the, with indigenous folks or with everybody? Like, Well, that's where people have to understand when Don Coyas started the Red Road to Wild the Wild movement. You guys can't hear this, but we got fireworks for Bob in the background. He, he went to the elders because he had a vision of a sacred hoop with a hundred eagle feathers. So the elders told him he had to invite elders from the four directions. So he thought they meant from this different reservations. And Mm. they said, no, it's the four corners of the world. The colors, yellow, white, black, red represent the people of the four corners of the world. Mm. You know, yellow is Asian, white's Caucasian, black is Afro-American, red is indigenous. Mm. So that's what they did. They put a, put it out there to bring in the elders from the four corners. Mm, okay. So I believe it was in New York where he's from. They had 200 elders show up from throughout the world carrying eagle feathers. Wow. So they made the secret, the sacred hoop of a hundred eagle feathers. Wow. So did they, how many from each direction? I, I can't matter really tell you that. It you know, no, yeah. it's just the fact that they were calling in all people to heal mm. together. That's what the movement's about about yeah it's not just indigenous it, it's open for everybody okay because it's about healing and we all need it so yeah it's all about healing yeah okay so what are the do you have any like idea what the numbers might be for people who are able to follow along with well versus say other well, programs or Right at this time, I'm the only facilitator for Southern Alberta, okay, registered so, facilitator. So things are lean. <laughs> the movement has been stronger in Central Alberta. Oh, okay. It's so strong, like Red Deer. rocky Red Deer. 
Okay. Um, when I went to facilitator training, there were people from Muskoseas because it used to be run there one time, but I believe the fellow mm -hmm. retired. Okay. You know, in Edmonton. Yeah. So you could, you're potentially going to be really busy then. Um, this is where I said the mind mapping came into play for me. I'm not a young man anymore. What are you talking about? You must be 30 if you're a day older than that. <laughs> Sweating bullets. <laughs> a little older than that. <laughs> no, but I've been construction in construction mm -hmm. since I was 15 years old. Construction and oil field working the rigs. And it's getting to be time. Mm -hmm. I've had some injuries that are coming back on me, some health issues. So I mind map what my life's looking like right now. Mm -hmm. You know, and what I can see taking place. And then I also did a mind map. What happens if, what would happen if I did this full time? Mm -hmm. You know, how would my, my life look? Yeah. So it's really quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Like, what do you think your life will look like if you mind mapped it out? <clears throat> well, it'll get me off the tools. So, you know, get, get me away from the physical aspect. Mm -hmm. I enjoy working with people now. You know, I still do the sweat lodges, not as much as I used to, mm -hmm. but I still do the sweat lodges. Yeah. Uh, there is a potential. I have been in contact with a couple of private organizations. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just waiting for a criminal record check type of deal. Okay, cool. So you you might teach the program at different right. organizations? Right. Okay. Fantastic. Because they have the clientele and it's already set up as a safe place for them. Yeah. You know, and they've got their own workers. Makes in perfect place. sense. Yeah. I mean, because then you're there to facilitate the group. Right. And the other counselors and staff are there if something comes up that is like yeah. heavily traumatic and needs to be uh, debriefed or whatever. Yeah. They're, okay. they're already working with those people. Yeah. Right on, man. Good. Yeah. Good stuff. It's it's exciting, hey? Like it's exciting to see. So I, I say it's exciting because I am all, I am generally excited by new things in the same old field. Right. So when I came into like the industry, the industry as a social worker, for example, right? Like everybody was doing everything the same, like they were, it was so stupid. <laughs> it was the same and not functional. Right. So things have to, they have to evolve and you're going to have the same fields of like working in poverty. For example, you're going to have poverty, right? But it doesn't mean we have to address it the same way we've always addressed it because it hasn't worked. Or, or parts of it have worked. So what's interesting is you stick in the field long enough, like when you move away from the tools, for example, and get more uh, in depth with humans, you'll see just how hardwired, if you don't already know that, as if you don't, but how hardwired some of our um, destructive habits are, right? And how apathetic we've become to them. How, how apathetic some people have become to the fact that, well, it's just the way it is right and they don't feel like there's a solution for them right which for in my mind for my money if we have in just in the field of addiction for example if you have a hundred people you should have a hundred solutions that's my that's my, my my idea is now i know that's not realistic when you talk about like funding and all the stuff that goes into that i really i know that um, but it doesn't make it any more any less of a <clears throat> ideal to strive for right? Like we, we got to stop limiting. And I, I know this ties into colonialism and all the other stuff that, that comes from way back. And I'm not trying to get on that, that, uh, 
pedestal at all. I'm just, I'm simply saying that if we keep doing things the same way, we're just going to keep having the same shit, right? We're, we're not like, you're not curing the opiate crisis by force feeding everybody the same garbage. It's not working, right? Like it's just not working, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. How often do you run the program? Well, the group that we're doing right now is once a week, two, two hours. Okay. When I went and took the facilitator training, we did it over three days, like eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And even for me, when we were done, I was almost on overload mm. it's because work, it's man. so, so much information to process, mm -hmm. you know, so this way we're watching part of a video, you know, with Don Coyas, like say in regards to step one, you know, then we'll get together as a group. We'll do a mind map just so that everybody's mm. sharing. You know, you want everybody with their input. There's no right answers. There's no wrong mm. answers. You know, and then we'll have a speaking circle. Mm. You know, so we've created a safe space for these people. Okay. So in a, if you were to do the group in, <coughs> in three, eight hour days, um, not recommended or not, not at all. Not at all. No, because part of the whole thing, like we took us four Tuesdays to get through the medicine wheel teachings. You know, now we're on to the steps, but mm. there's n nobody that can do the 12 steps in three days. Yeah, no, not, not, fully. I'm not even going to try yeah, it not fully. because it, it was mentioned by something and I said, no, probably someone who also remembers when they did the 12 steps in 12 hours back yeah. in the old days, but they did it differently. There, there's no doubt. They didn't do it like treatment centers do it because if they did, they wouldn't have been able to do it in 12 hours. Well, even for myself, looking back, you know, it took me four months to get through step five mm -hmm. and that was pushing it. Mm -hmm. You know, I did my step five, six and seven left treatment mm -hmm. center. I thought, you know, I'm healed. And I got a reality check with a good smack right in the forehead. Like, no. Yeah. And where yeah. I ran into trouble, I didn't have the proper understanding of the steps to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I was doing meetings. I had a sponsor, but there's more to it than mm -hmm. what, than what I had grasped. I did them to the best of my ability, Yeah. but I was still missing stuff. I had to back up and my sponsor, even you know, a great guy, didn't he said, I don't know what to do with you. Mm -hmm. Said, you need to go spend time with Joe Smo there with 40 something years of sobriety. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I took time off work and yeah. hung out with those old timers. And how did that go? It went awesome. He, yeah. he backed up. We started right from step one again. And mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. I, I, I have no doubt, man, that people, <laughs> that it's quite all right to give people some time to do this work because, um, like you've been through my workshop and I don't make everybody do everything in right. three days. I, I get people started and then I give guidance along the way. And then I, I'm available to work outside of the group hours and stuff with people to help them, but never expect people to come in in three days and have all 12 done. No, like, no. It's, it's just unreasonable. You know, think, when, even for me, when I came and did, you know, your workshop, mm -hmm. the three day workshop, I was 10 years sober, mm -hmm. you know, coming through, a dry drunk, if you want to call it that. Well, you were, you were, you know, I was up north and mm -hmm. I found it so easy to convince myself that I didn't need meetings. Mm -hmm. But when I got back to Calgary after a couple of years, I didn't even know where I was at. 
you know, I was doing meetings seven days a week, just trying mm. to figure out where am I at here? Yeah. And I had to back up and review that step one for mm. cracks. My original counselor said, don't ever burn that. Mm. You might have to look at that down the road and check it for cracks. Yeah. So no, even enough. for me doing, you know, your, your program, it was helpful to me. Mm-hmm. It helped me to get grounded mm-hmm. and know exactly what I had to do. Now, and that really, that's the idea of the workshop. It's just to give people a, an idea. And I don't know what the idea of well-briety is. I, I imagine the idea is healing, right? Right. So it's the same idea, just going about it a different way, right? Because the, the Pathways workshops are all about people finding out who they are. That's what I uncovered. Even though when I first started it, it was more geared towards um, sobriety and specifics, right, to that. But as the eight, seven years went by, it's just not that way anymore, right? Like that's not. Well, the medicine wheel teachings can be so interesting because Don Coyas takes you through and he, he talks about this intergenerational trauma, mm. you know, because his parents are boarding school survivors like in the States. And that was still brought forward when he was growing up. You know, that's what they they knew so that's what they're teaching their kids you know so he shows you where the correction has to be made there with the medicine wheel teaching yeah you know it's very interesting it's Mm -hmm. very informative so can you take me through an example of it man like just Uh, an example that's generic doesn't have to be from your life if you don't want it to be um no no i will speak in regards to my life because i had you know, I did my steps to the best of my ability. I mm-hmm. had some trauma when I was young and I thought I had dealt with it with my original step four and five. Mm-hmm. And there was one issue in particular came back on me. I was about seven years sober and I, I talked to my sponsor about it and I said, I don't understand. I thought I dealt with this. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you, you have to understand some of the stuff you're dealing with is like an onion. You're just peeling off one layer. Mm-hmm. You know, when the creator or God figures you're ready, he's going to put it back in your path to take mm-hmm. a look at it again. And that's what, exactly what took place with me. You know, my father never spoke about his childhood. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that was really on my mind. So my dad had been, you know, dead for years. So I got a hold of his last living sister mm-hmm. and asked her about their childhood. And she said to me, do you really want to know? I said, yes, because there's things taking place in my life and I, that I don't really understand. And I mm-hmm. felt that I was picking up my dad's character traits. So everything I was brought up believing, the person I thought was my grandfather wasn't even my grandfather. The story went that my grandfather's first wife died giving birth to the 10th child. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother was a mail order bride from the Ukraine. No family in Canada, didn't mm-hmm. speak English. So they, my grandfather, they had two daughters and, and my dad. He passed away when my dad was 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So my dad quit school, sharecropped the farm, and started working logging camps at 14 years old. There was no adolescence. Or, yeah. And this was through the Depression. So my aunt said, like, we didn't have toys and stuff. You know, it, it was hard. They had rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So I, m- what I believe is because my dad didn't have that adolescence, you know, he brought that forward. He is a good man, always a good provider mm-hmm. and everything. 
But when I had to deal with some stuff in my life, it's like they didn't know how to show love. Mm-hmm. You know, it was almost, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say it in a mean way, but it's more like suck it up, let's move on type mm-hmm. of deal. And that I carried that forward. So mm-hmm. because of that discussion and it's like one night I was meditating and I had a spiritual contact with my dad, you know, and I forgave him mm-hmm. because now I understood and I've been able to let that go. Yeah. Cool, man. I love those spiritual like contacts when you're yeah. just not expecting it. I love that. Yeah. It's like we were right there together. Yeah. That's cool. What'd you guys talk about? <clears throat> well, in regards to, you know, my growing up or my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. You know, not understanding what had taken place in his life. You know, there are nine kids in my family, six boys and three girls. Mm-hmm. And my parents did the very best they could with their teachings. Mm-hmm. And that's an overwhelming number for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah, that's an overwhelming number. So when you made the transition, how did you get into... So here's, here's I'm going to acknowledge my ignorance. Are you indigenous? Not at all. No. Okay. So tell us about that. How did this come to be then? Well, all the time growing up, I grew up in BC. I always had a draw to the mountains. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't have to be going out shooting animals or whatever. If I needed quiet space or quiet time, I went to the mountains. That's where I found, at the time I didn't realize, my connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now, like when I started doing these sweat lodges, these people welcomed me. You know, I journeyed up north and sat with the elders just because I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's, it makes so much sense to me, you know, and they, they call me the white skin brother. Mm -hmm. You know, they call me family. You know, when I went up north, the elder's wife said, here's your room. This is your home Mm -hmm. while you're up here visiting. Oh, that's, that's amazing, man. So I, the elder explained to me what I need to do is become a better listener. Hmm. So that's what I've worked on. I've done the vision quest, 40 vision quests. That's you and the creator. So See? tell tell me about a vision quest, man. Because I, I, right now I, I guarantee there's people listening that think about the Simpsons and this no, couple of Simpsons like episodes. Yeah, I know that's why I'm asking. A vision quest, you'll do a sweat lodge. It, I prepare for two months for a four-day vision quest Hmm. mentally. You can't have a whole bunch of stuff taking place in your life, negative stuff, Hmm. to go and try and do a vision quest. You you almost have to have a clear mind. You have to be willing to accept anything that's brought forward by the creator. Hmm. So you'll go out, you'll do a sweat lodge. When I do mine in the fall, I like to be by myself. Like I, I won't do it with a group, even though they do do that. Like group vision quests or? Well, what, no, like they'll all go through the sweat lodge and each person is placed in their own area. You know, they're given a sleeping bag and a tent, mm-hmm. you know, the flags that they carry tobacco, you know, so they have no contact with each other. Mm-hmm. But I just like to go out by, by myself. So, you know, you do this. And usually the elder will come on and check on everybody once a day or whatever, because people say they're ready and actually they're not. Mm-hmm. And if you've got them in the mountains, you've got to get them out, out of the mountains. Well, if you're not ready, you, you're going to die out there. You'll go crazy. Yeah. You know, and there is like a, a boundary that you stay within 
It's like mm-hmm. a pro- protected zone from negative energy or black oh, energy. Okay. Cool. So doing a vision quest, you're four days with no food and no water. Holy moly. And it, it it's not as bad as it sounds because you're in a meditative state. You don't think about the food and water. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so whatever the creator brings forward, it's between you and the creator. I consider it like doing a step five in the AA program times about five mm. because it can be so powerful. Yeah. You know, and you'll clear that either by offering forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. Mm. And once you do that, then you smudge and you move on. Okay. So do you smudge when you're out doing the vision quest? Yes. Okay. You, you smudge a lot. Every time you clear something, you smudge. Okay. So it can be very powerful. Be, becoming a better listener, you know, you, you hear things that you, the normal person wouldn't he, hear when you're out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the trees do talk. Everything you know, they does, give, yeah. They give thanks to Mother Earth for the mm-hmm. nourishment, the changing of the seasons. They will also shapeshift. Mm-hmm. I had a tree turn into a totem pole. Yeah. And it was explained to me the last set of flags that I carry are tied in that tree for one year mm-hmm. till I return. So it's very powerful. Wow. So what's the significance of seeing the totem during the vision quest? Like it, That's your mind clearing. Oh, okay. That's your connection with Mother Earth. Yeah. You know, it was explained to me that one of these times, because you're, you're clearing all the blockages that we keep stuffing. Mm-hmm. It was explained that one of these times, my mind will open up right to the second I was born. Mm-hmm. That's how much clarity you have. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That sounds like an intense process, man. It is. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Pretty intense. <clears throat> yeah. Four days for you too, or? Yeah. Wow. Oh, did yeah. you? Wow. Oh. Man. See, I. We had a group this year, and out of 12, one person had to be sent home. Yeah. I was proud of them, but I was envious mm-hmm. because of my physical, the physical stuff. I can't get dehydrated, mm-hmm. so I wasn't able to do it. Oh, dude, are you not going to be able to do it again? Yeah. Yeah? Not because of your health? Yeah, because of my health. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man, because it sounds like it's transformative, eh? Well, I, I work on other things though. Yeah. Like I'm doing this. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I mean, that's the, that's the point of recovery, right? We're message carriers. Mm. Yeah, man. And the point of recovery is to do what you can do. Yeah. So Not pine about what you can't. No. When those other, that group of 12 was out there doing mm. that, I was out there too. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I appreciate you inviting me to a sweat in November. It's yeah. going to be a knocked down they're gonna have to drag me out of there I'll probably pass out in there no <laughs> i'll be like well i appreciate you're not gonna fry me so no no, appreciate no. That. looking out for the you listen for to the, the elder you'll be fine oh you don't focus oh. on the heat you, you, stay, yeah. you fo- stay in your prayers yeah I, i'm gonna definitely do that this time it was definitely when i first did it which was my only time doing it I was working at a treatment center and we went there and it was such a lovely experience. Right. Like, but honestly I had like the worst flashback to, of like just being in a, like a gas chamber. It was so weird. Like the, my brain and I've been in a sauna before. Like I, and I've been, I mean, shoot today I sat in the sauna for half an hour and meditated. 
But of course it was just different, right? When you're hearing someone, like I remember the singing, there was singing and, and everything just started to happen in my brain. Like it was on fire. Hey, it was so strange, but powerful, like, and, and altering. Right. But, yeah. But you also have to understand there's different types of sweat lodges mm-hmm. too. You know, what are the differences? What I'm taking to you is it's a healing lodge. Mm, perfect. That's specifically what it's for. Mm. You know, I've done the warrior sweats, you know, where it's men only mm. 100 stones and it gets pretty intense. Yeah. You know, here you're taking in broken people. Like if you're working with broken families, there's children mm. involved. Yeah. So you can't be frying these. Well, and you don't want to do that anyway, unless you're in into it for that specific reason. But it's like the, the stones are called the grandfathers. Hmm. For some reason, they know because we can do broken families, 60 stones. It'll, I'm not saying it's mellow because certain, you know, everybody has is carrying their own stuff, mm-hmm. but it, it's not too bad. You can go the next day with a different group, use those same 60 stones, and you'll get fried. Really, hey? Yeah. So the stones do it's kind the of energy. Know. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Because it's a it's a, a spiritual, well, I mean, for in, in that culture, it's it's a religious practice. Just not called religious because they don't have No, word, like it's right? um, the safest place you can be. Yeah. They say it's the closest you ever be to being in the womb again. Mm. That's what it represents. I like it. You know, so it's warm. Protoc- there is protocol involved. Mm-hmm. You know, if women are on their moon cycle, they can't come up anywhere near a lodge. Oh, okay. How come? Because of the energy. Oh, man. And it's so like the energy is so palpable, too. Hey. Well, the elder, and yeah. even me, I am a pipe carrier also. Yeah. We can get sick from it. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, bro- working with broken families, you get some young ladies, mm-hmm. and they just sort of, well, we're not going to listen to that. And you can feel the energy in the lodge shift. When they when they think it even? No, when they're on their moon cycle, oh. and they just say to heck with protocol and come in, yeah. the energy in the lodge shifts, and the elder can feel it. Yes, shut the lodge down. Really? Yeah. Man, that's powerful, man. Yeah. Like, that's powerful. When you feel no, it's like, not nothing against women. It's just well, it's not not at all an energy. Yeah, well, and there's a reason why they that you can do it at different times, right? Yeah, and not at. You guys are right. Yeah. Anything else, man? Nope. Did you want to tell us about how you got from there to here? Like what? Like the the process in between? There's like a lot in between. From where to where? From sobering, well, before sobering, if you could tell us about that, that'd be great. Um, Sobering and then building up into well-briety. Like, how do you, how does a guy go from, so I know your story a little bit, but I'm not going to talk about it. You know, like I, the alcohol was my drug of choice ever since I was a teenager. Mm. You know, I got into the drugs and stuff, but. Buried a few friends at young ages, and the alcohol appealed to me. Mm. So, you know, I did a lot of partying when I was young, and then when I met my ex-wife now, you know, once I got married, I thought, I'm not going to become the same person as my dad. 
Mm-hmm. You know, my marriage is sacred, whatever. You know, so I was with my ex-wife for 18 years. I go on my little benders, you know, when I was out of town working or whatever. Mm-hmm. But part of that journey, I, I never felt that I fit in. You know, I could go to big functions and even though I knew everybody from work, I mm-hmm. just didn't feel right like I fit in. You know, so down the road, I had a severe back injury. I was off work for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just about destroyed us. You know, we had owned acreage and horses and all that kind of stuff. And people think Kelowna is such a great place to be. Well, mm-hmm. Kelowna's up and down the economy too. Yeah. So I was uh, commuting back and forth from Calgary. And it took its toll. You know, when my marriage ended, I just... I went right back to where I was, if not worse, from when I was in my late teens or early 20s drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I just sort of fell into it and took me down a really nasty path, just what cost me my life mm-hmm. before I got into treatment. Yeah. Where'd you go to treatment here in Calgary or? Yeah, Fresh Start. Fresh Start? Okay, right on. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Um, it was different than what it is now because they're over on 68th. Oh, back in, yeah, back in the old days, they were yeah, out in, yeah. uh, what is that neighborhood out there? Um, is it Dover? Abigail. No, Abby, Abby, Abigail? Abigail, yeah, that's it. Abigail, I was thinking of, who's You know, so like, I, I was up this past week talking with Stacy Peterson, because I oh, know right Stacy. Right on, man, I like Stacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, even for me, you know, sponsors and counselors, you know, no relationships for two years, and then, and then, well, 90 days in, I met a woman. It wasn't supposed to be a relationship. We were just doing meetings in church, the recovery ministry downtown. Can't go bad if you're just doing meetings in church, <laughs> <Yeah>. bro. <laughs> so 90 days in, I'm into a full-blown relationship. I'm still in treatment. I'm 90 days sober. She's seven years. Oh. So we end up being together for seven years. It's pretty good for a but treatment relationship. For her... She had trouble with her sponsor and there was a big kerfuffle and whatever. And she said, heck with AA. Mm-hmm. So I was still doing meetings, had my sponsor. But looking back on it, there was no spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. You know, two sick people or two struggling people don't add up to one healthy person. Wait, the math doesn't add up to one healthy? No. Two sick equals one? Oh. No, it, it doesn't work. But you don't realize when you're in the relationship. Yeah, not a clue. So after when it ended, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And mm. It didn't come out of it very good. I really struggled with it. Yeah. And my journey took me to Fort McMurray. Yeah, because you were bouncing sober. around. Yeah. You were bouncing around quite a bit back then. But even being in Fort McMurray, you know, I when I come back to Calgary, I'd leave Calgary just about in tears heading back up north. Mm-hmm. Then on my 10-year AA date, one of the fellows from my men's group got a hold of me and said, look, we were talking after the meeting. There's no way you're staying in Fort McMurray for your 10 years. Mm-hmm. So he said, check your email. So they paid for tickets. They flew me to Calgary to celebrate my 10 years. I remember that. Picked me up at the airport, said, here's the keys to the new truck. I'll drive the wife's car. Here's the key to the house. Mm-hmm. And I knew then that I had to get out of Fort McMurray. Because they were looking out for you. Yeah. It, just... um. I can't 
crap on Fort McMurray is what I was going through personally. Yeah. It's just a hard place for some yeah. people. It's not about Fort McMurray itself, right? Like it's just, there's a certain, <clears throat> there's a certain number of things going on in that area that simply make it attractive for certain things. Yeah. Like that's all. It's not about Fort McMurray. Yeah. No. So like when I, if I go to speak, I let people know that the last five and a half years of my sobriety been the best. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe it took me 10 years to get my head out of my ass. Hmm. Yeah. That makes you know, sense. Cause these last years have been the best. It's taken me 14 so far, Bob. I'm just yeah. hoping, <laughs> hoping around the corner. <laughs> there's hope brother. Happen. There's hope. <laughs> Thanks man. Don't follow in my <laughs> path, but there is hope. <laughs> well, you're telling me not to follow in your path yet. You're inviting me to a sweat. I wonder what I'm supposed to do. I think I'll follow your path. You'll see. Yeah, I think you're all right. I think you're all right. Because that's when I came, that's when I got to know you, right? It was about 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's about when it was. Yeah, because, yeah, I'd been back from McMurray for a couple months, and I'd heard about your program. Because when I came back, I thought, okay, I just have to do a four and a five, and away I'll go. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't it at at all. Yeah. I was doing meetings seven days a week. Where am I at? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I had to go back to that step one. I had to start over. Oh, yeah, man. Like, there's that. And I, it might happen to you again in sobriety, right? I know it's happened you, to you me. You don't know. Yeah, it's happened to me. But I find if I continue to carry the message how I carry it, mm-hmm. it helps me to stay sober and on a better path, mm-hmm. on a spiritual path. Yeah. That's interesting you say it's exactly like that is because that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do something like this, like a podcast, was so that... All these different people have all these incredible stories that are their own, right? Like your story. And there's a lot more to your story, right? That I obviously can't talk about. You're welcome to, but I can't. And it's, to me, it's just amazing because each of us are a story carrier. I think like every human is right. Like we're all carrying the information needed to make all of this work, right? Like each of us are whether it's in our DNA or however you want to describe it. Um, after listening to uh, Carl Sagan talk about the DNA and stuff like that, I'm like, that shit can do anything. That stuff has got everything locked up in there. Um, but anyway, I got way off topic, man, because the point of this is, is that exactly when he was, you know, when his life started to get better, I just want everyone to notice it's when I met him. Okay, so anyone out there, if you're wondering, if your life's going to get better when you meet Dave, your life's going to get better. (laughs) Darcy was waiting for the punchline. It took me a long time. Ego deflation. (laughs) The deflation came from... You got a big pin? Yeah. The deflation (laughs) came from Darcy's face. That's what I'm like, right on. That was a good joke. It totally made him uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Obviously, I had very little to do with this shit. (laughs) No, so it, it is a journey. Mm-hmm. We all walk our own paths. Yeah. You know, I I try and stay away from the negativity. Yeah. I'm nobody to judge anybody else. I don't yeah. care what color or race or whatever they are. Yeah. I don't know the path they've walked. You know, I've never walked in, in another person's shoes. Mm-hmm. I still trip over my own feet. I don't need... Someone else's taking feet? Taking somebody else's, no. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work for me. That's one of the things that I really like respect about you, Bob, is, is just, is that, right? Is that, that it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like no, everybody, everybody. And I, like, I learn a lot from you every time I'm around you, right? Like, you know, may not know that you may not 
pay attention to that. And that's fine because that's probably part of why you are who you are. It's because you're not paying attention to that. But the truth is I do because you're carrying wisdom, right? And so, and I try to do this with everyone. I, I do. It's just easier with some people than it is with others because some people try to let you know that they know stuff. It's harder to listen to them, right? Like when you're listening to someone who is 100% telling you the way it is, I have a hard time with that. Yeah. But I'm going to always connect with humans who are just like here to share for free for whatever the case may be, right? But to help each other. And, and that's something that I've always seen about you is that at the end, well, and this is only because I've only known you for five years for sure. I have no idea what you were like before. I'm sure there was like difficulties and you might not have been the nicest person your whole life. But then again, neither was I. Somebody told me that I'd already used up all my asshole chips. That's Ooh. what they told me. And I said, you might be right. I may have used up one too many asshole chips. <laughs> Hence why now I just like to focus on, like you said, the positive, right? And I've surpassed the nine lives of a cat. So, Dude, without question, <laughs> you have sur surpassed nine lives of a cat. It's, re it's really interesting getting to know the indigenous people and the culture. Mm -hmm. They really do take you in as family. Mm -hmm. You know, just over a year ago, I was rushed in for emergency surgery. I, I was a mess, just but didn't make it. And the elders came up to see me in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, and the one, you got to understand how indigenous people are. He brought Tim Hortons donuts and coffee. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm hooked up to all this shit. I've got 27 staples down yeah. my guts. Can you jam an apple fritter in yeah, here, yeah. please? Yeah, <laughs> he's eating donuts. I'm like, but anyway, so he brought me a I book. It. It's called uh, Listen to, to Your Heart yeah. or Listen to the Drum. You know, it's by this fellow named Black Wolf Jones. Mm -hmm. He's a uh, addictions counselor and a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. And he took his indigenous teachings and combined them. Mm. So this book was presented by the author to his aunt, signed. She gifted it to him, and mm -hmm. he gifted it to me in the hospital. Oh, okay. So I'm reading this book, and then another elder showed up, and we were talking. And he said, look, when you're meditating, you visualize the healing. We'll take care of the prayers through ceremony and through the lodge. So a couple days later, the doctors were in. They said, well, you're going to be at least two more weeks in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So a couple of days later, I was just sort of laying back, meditating, and I could visually see the prayers entering my stomach and removing the sickness. Wow. And I walked out of the Peter Lougheed five days later. Holy crap, eh? You know, this past January, I was at a, a round dance. Yeah. So the drummers and singers come from all over. Mm. And there was a group from northern Saskatchewan. And the one fellow, I've lodged with him. And he said, Bob, you got to understand when you're in the hospital... Patrick phoned us and told us to have a pipe ceremony for you. So it touches your heart. These mm -hmm. people really care. The elder whose lodge I sit in, he wouldn't come to the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, his wife said it's too close because mm -hmm. they consider me family. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing, man. I think yeah. like anytime, any group of people who invite other strangers in as family, I just think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Right. Whoever they happen to be. You know, it's, it's, that's pretty impressive, dude. You know, being out at the lodge, my, usually my son will come every once in a while or my daughter, mm -hmm. 
But the one time we went as a family group and I was sitting in what's called the warrior seat. You mm-hmm. can't move. My son was to my left and my daughter was to the right. And it was such a spiritual healing because between them, there was still some animosity in regards to marriage split up or whatever. Mm-hmm. I stayed out of it. It wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. I cleaned up my mess through the steps, mm-hmm. you know, through amends. But after the lodge, you know, they dropped me off at home and they went out for dinner together and straightened out their differences. That's wild, man. Mm-hmm. I just think there's so many ways that people can transform their lives, eh? One, even today, like their lives are totally different. They're more connected. Yeah. Does that make you feel good as a dad? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I can I can only imagine. I don't have any kids, but yeah. must feel good as you're growing up and they're growing up, right? That they <clears throat> like Well, each I other. just as long as they're doing okay. I'm all right with it. Yeah. But now, you know, my daughter and her spouse had a little baby four months ago. Mm-hmm. So now I've got a little granddaughter. Yeah, you do. That's my sweetheart. Yeah, totally. She sort of talks to me in her own language. Grandpa, I think you need to buy me a pony. <laughs> <laughs> you can almost guarantee she's saying that. Yeah. yeah so you are translating correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Grandpa, I'd like a pony. Okay. <laughs> Awesome, man. Yeah, it changes your life. Yeah. I can, I, again, I can only imagine, but I see it like all the time with grandparents. You know, right? and I, I was totally surprised because the elder always says, when it, when's your daughter bring the granddaughter to be blessed? Well, but a week ago, my daughter says, I think it's time for me to bring the baby to a sweat lodge. Mm-hmm. So I should be bringing the baby out. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Now, does that touch your heart or what? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I bet. Because it's not like it's not just you, right? No, it isn't. No. Yeah, it's not just you. Like we, it affects so many people, man. <coughs> you've had, you've already had like a huge impact here at this church too, like a huge impact on people that I think this church is a great church. They have lots of like so many just amazing people who are like open, open-hearted, open-minded, um, and the Wellbriety program and you being the facilitator of that program have opened people's minds up in even more than what you might even realize, right? Like, so for example, I'm at the board, I was at the board meeting on Wednesday um, and I was giving a report on the recovery ministry and it was just brief because we don't have a whole lot. We just, we're finally in a position where we're able to give them some money for space, which makes all of us feel so good because they give so much, right? But when we started talking about Wellbriety, um, the the whole, I could feel that there was, people are, are just nervous because they don't understand, right? So, but it was interesting because I didn't have to say anything. Well, the, the thing about it is it's not something that's new. No, the not new in general. Yeah. The Wellbriety movement has been around since 1988. Oh, wow. It's pretty old. Then. Yeah, it has been around that long. Mm-hmm. You know, but mostly in the States. Be- yeah. But that's how long. And before we ever, well, before we ever held a meeting, it was actually our first night. I wouldn't go ahead and run this program without the blessings of the elders. Mm-hmm. So we invited some elders. You know, we did an introduction on mm-hmm. how Wild Bridey came to be. And we got the blessings of the elders mm-hmm. because there is protocol involved and I will not cross that protocol. Oh, I can appreciate that. 
I think it's important. You know, that's the teachings. Yeah. It's it's just it's just as important whether you're whether it's protocol for indigenous practices or protocol for um, Christian or Muslim right. it, or it's whatever there for Those, a reason. Yeah, it's it's there to preserve what they what the individuals feel is the best about that, right? The you traditions. Know, people might not understand, but even around Calgary, you know, you've got Cree, you've got Blackfoot, you've got Métis, you've got Stony Nakoda. And the teachings are a little different from mm-hmm. one to the other. So you got to be really careful with protocol. Mm-hmm. You know, even for me to go in to say sunrise, the first thing I need to do is meet with their elders. Mm-hmm. And find out what their protocols are. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense, right? I think what interest what, what really stood out to me about this meeting the other day with with these folks who are just coming to understand what this program is, is how how willing they are to try to make it happen. That's what I was blown away by, yeah. to be honest with you. And and I had no expectations because I had never talked to anyone about the program before here. I was basically just delivering the message that this is what their questions are and all these kinds of stuff. And I got to tell you, man, as soon as I started talking about it, everybody in that room was like, we need to figure out a way we can make this work. Yeah, That's all I heard from their mouths was like, how can we make this work? Because it's important to have drumming. It's important to have the smudging, right? So those things are important. They're important components that are vital to the healing process. Right. Right? Within within that culture or within that specific teachings, I guess, right? So they, there was not a, not a person in the room who didn't want to accommodate that, right? So you guys are doing good stuff. You know, it, it is. It's so important and the more even for me being around it, I see more of a need for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just one person. I can only do so much. And yeah. especially right now because I work too. Yeah. And it part of the thing with my journey, I had to find that balance in my life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all about meetings every day. I need my off nights too when mm-hmm. I can just chill or, yeah. you know, and right now I'm going in two different too many different directions. Mm-hmm. You know, am I going to do this full time? And I'm still trying to work and people are phoning me. Mm-hmm. And can you come to this meeting? And it gets overwhelming at times. I bet it does, man. Especially when sometimes you're probably just trying to hold yourself together, like physically. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah Cause I, mean, I know I, I go through that too, right? Where you're just like, okay, I need to hold my, my spine needs to hold up. <laughs> for at least one more hour just one more hour right and then it can collapse or whatever but yeah, yeah it's a, it's painful what what time are we at man we're at an hour Whew, you're the man why because an hour's perfect and now we get to like babble and bullshit i'm just kidding what else you want to talk about Dude, I'm fascinated by you, man. I want to tell everybody how you sobered up. Is that how I want, what I want to do? No, you don't. But I'm not going to. No. I'm saying I want because to. Because even when, you know, me coming through, my sponsor said, don't ever give up an opportunity to speak if you're asked. Mm-hmm. I think I was a month sober, two weeks in treatment. And one of the workers said, I'm going to take come on Sunday and take you to this brunch speaker meeting in Airdrie. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I don't have any money. He says, don't worry about it. You'll pay it pay it forward Mm -hmm. so he took me to this brunch thing in airdrie and then we go to this meeting and he sat me down at this table and he said you sit with these three people those three people had over 100 years sobriety 
Wow. And I was 30 days. Mm. And I still know some of those people. Too. Yeah. So when the opportunity came, I went and spoke at Airdrie mm. to say thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. You know, my very first meeting out of the house, because there were some downtown people in treatment, was at the old Garnet Block. In Kensington. In Kensington. Yeah, yeah, that's where I sobered up. <laughs> so <laughs> my first AA meeting at the house, I just got into a fist fight. <laughs> <laughs> Says everyone who went to the Garnet Block so, for the first time. <laughs> my counselor said, you got to figure out where you fit in. <laughs> I forgot but you even were Garnetian, at that, dude. Even at that, I would go back to the Garnet Block once a year at mm -hmm. that time and thank them for my sobriety. That's so cool, man. They're right over here now. Yeah. And I, I went uh, a couple months ago. I hadn't yeah, been, right out the corner yeah. in the basement. I hadn't been there in like, <laughs> pro, well, since they moved out of Kensington, I hadn't been. I thought I went on 14th Street, but I never actually made it to the meeting. Um, so I went back to for a friend's 16 years a couple months ago. It was just so nostalgic, man. Even though it's a different room, <laughs> It feels the same. Yeah. Like the walls feel the same. The the pictures, they, you know, when you move pictures from like one old place to a new place, you can actually feel some of the oldness in the picture. Well, when you saw those pictures at the old place and now you see them in the new place, it's like your emotions are, are transposed from or tra moved from there to here. Right. And I was sitting in there listening to the birthdays and I'm just looking up at all the signs and I'm like, that one kept me sober, like my first week. And then there was like that sign over there that said, don't be dumb or something like that. <laughs> don't be dumb. But, but that's I the kind of stuff. That one. Yeah, it was just basically what <laughs> reminded me when every time I saw it was like, oh, it's just telling me not to be dumb. It's like think, think, think. Or I think it was that one. Um, dude, I didn't know you were a Garnetian. You what? A Garnetian from the Garnet Block. <laughs> You know, I think what turned me off was some, there was some old character. I think he could recite the whole big book. I'm sure of it. But he piped up and said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, because he saw us all come in. He knew mm. we were from treatment. Treatment centers. Yeah. And he said, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you people at a treatment center are a bunch of pussies. And I thought, oh, oh really? Fuck. So then the chairperson asked me if I didn't say, I said, you betcha. <laughs> So I got up to the podium. I said, my name is Bob and I am an alcoholic. And I said, as far as I'm concerned, you miserable prick, I don't need to listen to you. Mm. I said, treatment centers are for people like me trying to stay alive till we figure this thing out. Mm. I don't need to listen to this crap. Yeah. So I was getting up to leave and person grabbed me. I don't know if you ever met Chuck. Oh, yeah. Old Chuck? Yeah. Yeah, he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he grabbed me. He said, I want to shake your hand. I'm not surprised he would because he was yeah. pretty outspoken. Yeah. Yeah. I liked him. Yeah, he said, you know, what you did yeah, was right. Yeah, good for you, man. Because yeah, but I just had to figure out it wasn't the place for me. That's it. And that's okay. So I didn't hold against anybody. Yeah. No, I, and I, I stayed there for my first four years, man. It wasn't until my therapist actually told me I needed to find a new meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> because she said, you're never going to not be angry if you keep going there. Yeah. Because she was in program, and so she also knew about this place. And it, it really, if you know that if you have a meeting where you create your own language and you become a Garnetian, you've got a problem because there's like a whole, well, there's just so much attitude attached to that place, right? Like where, I mean, I never got into a fist fight, but I saw one a week. I never got into a fist fight because I kept my mouth shut. 
I just didn't talk to anybody about anything except for my business, right? Like if someone said, oh, did you see what Bob did? I'd be like, I don't even know who Bob is, man. Even if I watched Bob, even if I helped Bob, I did not know any. I'm like, nope, I don't know nothing about it, man. Yeah. No, but part of the journey, you know, I, the one year, I think I spoke, spoke about eight times, Okotoks, High River, mm-hmm. in Calgary, Airdrie. Then I got involved. There was a group, South of Town. And part of the curriculum for Foothills School District, we'd go in and speak at schools. You know, just, mm. um, it was more informative type of deal. Yeah. Because my youngest brother suicided right before graduation. Oh, did he? So as part of their curriculum, grade 12s had to listen to this. Yeah. You know, there'd be a group of us going. Mm. Because you don't really know what's going on in your best friend's home behind Globe closed yeah. doors no you don't i'm sorry about your brother man yeah so part of the journey yeah well it still sucks though yeah i got brother man <coughs> that's no fun no and even now to me this is so important because this opioid crisis mm-hmm. i think it was two or three years ago i had to bury a nephew oh geez you know yeah. 21 years old he was the life of the party with the drugs and the alcohol, but you mixed depression in there. Oh. And his brother came out in the morning, found him hanging from a tree in the yeah. backyard. There's just like almost like when you have that mixture in there, like the drugs, oh, the alcohol, yeah, and the depression, or the mental illness. It's like almost like a just an instant death sentence, yeah. hey? Because you just it just messes with your brain so much, like already, just the chemicals do. And I mean, if your brain's already having trouble, well, the highs and the lows. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important to me, you know, I, even when I got out of treatment, you know, you sort of connect with certain people's in, in treatment. Mm-hmm. Well, we got out to the guys I went through with were dead within 90 days. Jeez, really? You know, that's reality. Yeah. Like I had to go back to the treatment for counseling. Yeah. Because of all the loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not surprised because the guys are doing that now. And I'm sure like I just did a service at Fresh Start right yeah, and Stacy told me yeah it was great to see him um but it was uh because it had been so long since i've seen him right but i looked at their back window in their gym they have a big gym there at fresh start and on the all on the back top windows are the names of the graduates or alumni who've died and they're almost running out of room yeah like on those windows and they're pretty good sized windows right and there's probably I want to say eight of them across the back of the gym and literally every one of those names coming down, right? Like it just, that's crazy. But man. that's reality. Yeah. You know, the people think recovery, everybody recovers. Well, that's not reality at all. As a matter of the fact, the reality is rate, very few. Yeah, yeah. Is very low. Yeah. You know, we're just fortunate enough to have, I think they're one of the top accredited in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And, and I mean, the, but even even with the top accredited of Canada, right, for public ones, because there's some private ones on the island. Right, right. But they're not, I don't think they're classified in the same way because they're like Fresh Start's public and open to people who are homeless or whatever. Like you can get funding for that, right? Um, but I think even with the best one, <laughs> you've still got all kinds of problems. And the reason is not because of the best treatment center. It's because of the fact that we have, we bring so many different angles with us when we try to sober up. Like we were saying before, if you have a hundred people, I, I hope you have a hundred solutions, 
because one day we're going to need them. Well, even for me, when I went through, I had to tell certain people to stay away from me. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't about being sober, being drunk. It was life or death for Mm -hmm. me, you know, because I was in Peter Lougheed. Yeah. You don't get any more life or death than almost dying. Yeah. And and the doctor said, you shouldn't be alive with what you're doing. No doubt, man. So that's reality for me. And that, well, that, but that also means you're going to work hard at it, right? Work hard at staying well and getting better because, well, that's reality. Yeah. I'm one of those people. There is no one beer. Mm. One beer for me is when the bar opens and then when it closes, that's. Yeah. There's one beer in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And see, I'm not one beer either. I was talking to a friend this week about it and, and he said, well, would you, do you think you would drink? And I said, I've been to the position of the, the bottle, the book, or the gun. That's basically what we get to through recovery. We get to points where we either going to work harder with the book. I mean, that's kind of an easy one, but then the gun is where we're not going to drink because we know that's a slow death. So we swallow a bullet, right? Like, and then the bottle is the bottle. And so we're, we're talking about this because we had both been there in the last few years and at different points. And, and I said, no, not anymore. There's no bottle anymore. It's just a bullet. Like I, I honestly, I would just as soon put my family through a suicide as opposed to make them watch me suffer again for however fucking long they'd have to watch me suffer with no guarantees of making it right. And so we were talking about, I'm just like, as of that day, that's how I felt. Right. Um, but even the last time I was there, that bottom, right? When you hit that emotional skid and you're like, I don't know if I can come up, come back from this, right? It's like, I never thought of drinking or using, but I definitely thought of dying. Like definitely, right? But thank thank God for the the prayer and the the avenues that I've learned to use to not go there. Because it's pretty easy, right? Like, I mean, no matter how much time goes by, life still gets hard, you know? We but we, we've been given a set of tools to use, mm-hmm. you know, and like they say, one of the biggest prayers there is, is help. Yeah. Help and thank you. You know, and try and try and bring people through. It doesn't matter if it's a sponsee mm-hmm. or the people that I'm working with right now. Mm-hmm. You have to let them understand how important that is. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe because I was so screwed up when I came in the creator or God or whatever you want to call him, put a lot of people in my path with a lot of years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what kept me alive. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both, man. It was people around me, right? Yeah. Delivering those messages. I don't want to cut you off, but I got to, cause it's, we will dude. I could, we could talk like seriously. I mean, you're no. obviously Darcy no, sitting fine. over there like, yeah, yet again, you could talk for two hours. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He, he sees it every week <laughs> and he wonders, why are you surprised by this? <laughs> I'm not full. I'm not surprised at all. Bob, thank you so much, man. Yeah. I appreciate having you here. Can you tell everybody again, um, how they can get in touch with you, man? Um, it is posted on Facebook, the 12 steps and medicine wheel. And okay. I believe, believe the contact info is on, on that page. Okay. Okay. So you can find them on Facebook. Um, or I'll read you some contact information here. You can also contact me through Freedom's Path, and then um, I can connect you to Bob as yeah. well if everything else fails. 
Uh, please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. Oh my goodness, I jumped up here and read that again. That's good, Dave. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson, for graciously, and this, yeah, nice, dude. Do a wave, a Samantha Darcy wave. <laughs> we just did a really awkward wave. Um, Samantha, thanks for coming again. I'm sorry we kept you so long. Yeah, are you sure? Okay, I, but I appreciate you being here. Uh, I'm not here without each of our board members. Uh, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morjo, Wayne Lurie, and John James. You know what? I say uh, uh a lot, don't I? Yeah, like if if there's people out there right now that have counted up how many times I've said, uh, maybe you guys should start a drinking game, but not alcohol because I cannot suggest you do that. Like a drinking game of like Sprite or espresso shots, especially if you're like babysitting your brother's kids, give the kids espresso shots every time Dave says, uh, I like that. Nice. There's Eventually, help, I'm going to get myself available. in trouble. What's that? <laughs> there's help available. There's help available, even for me. So they say. Uh, thank you, Trent Baker, for you and your group's continued support, both financially and spiritually, to me along the way. I appreciate you, man. Uh, and just like Darcy, I probably won't stop thanking you. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you very much. Uh, who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering with addiction of all types. We work with mental illness, codependency, and, the, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. Our next open group is this coming weekend, October 26th through 28th. It is located here at Wild Rose United Church. We run Friday, October 26th, 5 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. We meet from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The, the Saturday, October 27th, and Sunday, October 28th. It is last minute, and it appears the group is full. However, if you are in need of support and absolutely desire to take this group, please do not hesitate to contact us through um, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. I will try to make room for everyone who needs this group. So if you need it, you just contact us and we will make some kind of arrangement if it's possible. Uh, if you are interested in attending any future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedoms Path Recovery Society. Now, I am really happy to announce my colleague's group in November. Uh, she is running a three-day retreat, and her name is Jill Drader. She runs her retreats out in Field, British Columbia. She is an amazing human, amazing human. If you have an opportunity to check her out, um, check out her website, www.jilldrader.com. That is Jill, J-I-L-L-D-R-A-D-E-R.com. 
you can go on there and you can find um, find out whether there's space for her retreat. I hadn't checked it as of today, so I'm not sure if there's still space left. Honestly, jilldrader.com. Check it out. She's fantastic. Uh, If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? And as for me, David Lurie, I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time is quite limited after all.